Well, welcome to another Gingerlicious Presents. It's a writer's bookshelf, but it's not just any old writer's bookshelf. It's another travelling bookshelf. And the global listeners might be saying, David, where have you travelled from? Well, I've travelled from Sunny Sills in West Yorkshire. I've stayed in West Yorkshire. Approximately an hour's drive. I'm back in wonderful Wakefield. It's only my... Well, in recent times, I had a friend who went... He attended, my good mate Craig, who I've lost touch with, attended Wakefield University, but I'm back for different reasons. Second time, back in sunny Wakefield, about an hour's travel, and I've caught up with a guy I don't really know that well, so I'm looking forward to this this interview. It's the one and only... Tim Brooks. Tim, how are we doing? I'm very, very well. Apart from having a bit of a cold, David, thank you very much for coming all the way from sunny Silston to not so sunny Wakefield <laughs> on, a, on a Friday. <laughs> actually, the sun's out a bit. It's not bad, actually, it has to be said. People are probably listening to this one. Um, it's probably listening now, maybe back end of November, at the latest first week in December. We've had horrendous rain, and like you say, Friday, it's taking place on Friday. I can't believe actually how so warm it is and, and blue sky. It's been absolutely terrible weather. Um, terrible, terrible weather indeed. I have to say, we're in a fantastic settings. Been sending each other messages, and I believe I am on Doncaster Road, St Catherine's Church. Correct. What a wonderful yes. place it is. So let's start off with obviously we're going to end with poetry or the, the writing and poetry and all the wonderful things you do. Let's just talk very briefly about what you're actually doing here because you walk into St Catherine's Church, is yourself, one of the ladies, or most of the ladies have gone. There's a lovely cafe, the typical church. You do some fantastic work here. Just tell us about that, Tim. Um, well, I work uh, as a volunteer. I help run the what we call the emergency food store. Uh, St Catherine has a as a kind of its heritage really in in kind of food provision is is tradi- was a traditional food bank. But about twelve months ago, we we kind of changed the focus a little bit. So we actually have a, a, a kind of a membership scheme now, and we have about over one hundred and twenty, I think one hundred and twenty eight of the last count clients who come and see us either on a Tuesday and a, a Friday. And they can pick up. Uh, they can pick up the, obviously the food. Obviously, our priorities are single parent families, but we have a, 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 a huge range of people who are now kind of accessing support. Now, we try and have changed the focus a little bit. Yes, our primary um, focus is to actually get people and families fed, but it's also about supplying, uh, providing some advice, some guidance and support around uh, housing needs, around debt management, about addiction, um, and you know we try and do our, the best as we can to give a kind of an all-rounded level of support. Um, I don't kind of fool myself that we, we you know, we we don't solve people's problems and problem people's issues but hopefully we go some way to towards giving them uh, a, a little bit more uh, guidance and support so they can uh, they can tackle the problems that they face uh, a little bit more easily mm-hmm. and anyone any so anyone listening can they get in touch with it? And is it an open door policy for the people listening or people thinking how can they get in touch? Can they just come along to St Catherine's Church or do they need to maybe contact first or what's the sort of? Uh, I mean, we usually, I mean, basically, we serve our immediate area, so effectively, that's WF1 and some of WF2, uh, mainly the areas around Bel- mm-hmm. Bellevue and, and Agbreaker, so a lot of the communities that kind of surround uh, the, the kind of Doncaster Road. Uh, Wakefield is 
is divided up into lots of different areas and each is served by a different kind of food bank or, or emergency food store, food pantry provision. So you just need to kind of double check with us. And the best way to do that is obviously to contact the St Catherine's Church directly and we will be able to, if not, be able to, to kind of serve you directly to actually point you in the direction of people who would. But as I say, we, we, we tend to focus uh, on the, the, the community around around Bellevue and, and Agbury. Brilliant stuff. I have to say, I do commend you. A round of applause for you, Tim. Let's get back to um, what the show, what the podcast is all about. We've met a couple of times and our sort of history is we re- sort of reconnected, if you like, at uh, I think Sarah Dixon's um, the 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 which is just a little grand bit plans, yeah. it, grand plans. I'm glad you're yeah. here now, my co-host. <laughs> and I've been that busy. My there's that many going on, Tim. You can't remember all the names. The brilliant Sarah Dixon, and we met on the Sunday uh, and had a little bit of a chat. You connected to Wakefield's very own Gobby in the lobby, which we will speak about um, in due course. But what I'm intrigued about is, obviously, you're a poet, you're hosting all these events, doing many things within the world of writing. You've also said something quite interesting to me, as in, David, I've retired. So <laughs> what what is Tim's, or what was Tim's background? What was your background work-wise in, Tim? Well, my background work-wise is that I, I spent about 30 years uh, teaching, um, that kind of led me to climb the slippery teaching pole when I was a... a In primary schools or school? No, in secondary schools. Secondary schools. So I I originally started my teaching career in Wakefield and then moved uh, to Leeds um, towards the end of the 1990s uh, and I worked at a school called uh, John Smeaton and uh, then I left and went and moved to Bradford to a school called Hanson where I ended up being head teacher for a while uh, and then I left Hanson, moved back to, to, to Wakefield. My last job is I uh, helped to run the secondary uh, pro uh, in in Wakefield um, uh, supporting kids who were who were basically who were deemed medically unfit for mainstream education mm-hmm. so that that was my quite was, demanding quite demanding um, yeah role well yes in many on many levels yeah I mean I absolutely loved teaching and mm-hmm. um, but unf- unfortunately I had an interesting end of 2017 and 2018 um, I, I basically uh, throughout 2017 and 2018 I actually spent a lot of time in hospital and the, um, thankfully I was supported very well by the NHS in, uh, in the LGI and also uh, Chapel Allerton Hospital mm-hmm. uh, because during 20, 2017, September 2017, I had my f- the first of stri- three strokes that I was, I was going to have during <laughs> the course of that 12, uh, o- 12 months. You're all right now, sorry to interrupt you there, you're on the, you're on the mend, you're a better place you're, now. You're, you're looking very worried. <laughs> well, no, because this is all... When I say it's interesting for me, I'm just... It's, when you say about stroke, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, um, I mean, I am not as much of a burden on the NHS as I was a, a few mm. years ago. Yeah, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just put it like that. Yes. Um, yeah. But I suppose, you know, it's like when, and you know, I, I was... Uh, I was very kind of, well... 
gutted to have to retire it. I mean, people might think I'm joking, but to retire at 51, because I really do miss and I still... It should be quite an early retirement. Yeah, I still, I still obviously miss working in, uh, working in mm-hmm. schools and working in, in that environment. I, I, you know, I, I did, in, did enjoy it. Yeah, I had some tough times, but I also had some incredibly enjoyable the, times. The wonderful, world of, the wonderful world of teaching. Yeah. <coughs> but, highs and lows with no in-between. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, what it did do is it, it kind of gave me the opportunity, I suppose, to, to do other things and you know I've, I've kind of in some respects I've re- rebuilt my, my kind of life by, by doing and filling it with lots of other things I mean obviously the pandemic got in the way of some of that it's, so just it's a really yeah. you're only a year or maybe 18 months you said about your sort of health and, and then all yeah. of a sudden a lockdown yeah. um, which yeah. speaks for itself really yeah I mean when I suppose in some respects I, 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 I mean basically my, my, I suppose my journey in writing um, began actually in, in hospital because at the age of, of kind of 50 having spent a significant well last 45 years kind of reading and writing I suddenly discovered that uh, well suddenly didn't suddenly discovered it I, I realised that the, the, the stroke had left me with the inability to kind of read and write um, and that came as quite a shock particularly when uh, lots of uh, people that I knew and friends had, knowing that I was spending a lot of time in hospital brought me lots of books, books to read in, in what sort of Respect, as in not being able to concentrate. I mean, a strange experience, as in opening opening a book. We all get distracted. We know that. So you're opening a book, and when you say unable to to, to read, you mean it's concentration, a, yeah. or not? Maybe sort of put the words together. Just. I mean, it's. A, I mean, it was a concentration of the of the kind of physical and the neuro, mm-hmm. neurological. Because I, first of all, I kind of lost a lot of kind of fine motor skills. So mm-hmm. particularly on uh, on the side that, that, that you know traditionally I would I would write with. So um, I suppose physically it was very difficult to pick up a pen and form words and whatever. Also yes. neurologically, I simply forgot how to put words to get I mean my spelling is not brilliant but it, it went completely it just got progressively uh, well, well a little bit worse and, um, and then obviously the, the whole thing about reading is that I could recognise letters but couldn't necessarily recognise recognise words but I was very very grateful obviously for the occupational therapists at, uh, at um, both at um, the LGI and also at, uh, at Chapel Allerton uh, where I spent uh, some time in rehabilitation who then basically kind of gave me the, the kind of, well, not strictly taught me how to read and write again, but, but went a long way to actually let me, let me, um, let me kind of well, grew my confidence in able to pick it up. And, you know, within a relatively short period of time, I, I could... I could start to to kind of put words together and put sentences together and then also to be able to read them. The reading came slightly later later and and more more difficult. But I suppose in terms of writing... Uh, that because I, uh, you know, I, when I was kind of encouraged to start kind of writing short pieces and and, and you know to use my brain for that effect, uh, I, being inherently lazy, I, I just started to write haiku. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't <laughs> say that as a teacher. <laughs> it's true. I'm sorry. Your pupils will be will be, will be listening, saying, "Sir, told me to do this, and Sir, told me to do that." Uh, well, I'm very good at. I was good at instructing and teaching, oh, but not necessarily goodness. not necessarily replacing so, that myself. So you're on. You're on the. You're on the road to, to recovery or, or yeah. you're good. just slightly going back a little bit 
a little bit further. What when you said when you say secondary, what was what's what's Tim's specialist subject? English, his obvious answer English or English no, language. I, I mean, I did, I did. I mean, a bit of everything. Or I mean, the the, the kind of um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I talk about a few things. I mean, my main, the main subjects that I I, 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 uh, I trained to teach were um, I, uh, were basically history. I taught a bit of drama, and I also taught a bit of PE. Um, Brilliant. But the, um, but I, I, you know, particularly as I, as you kind of move up the kind of uh, the the teaching career, what what you tend to do is particularly if you if you're a kind of history teachers you tend to teach lots of other things obviously you know they, they pair you up with geography uh, but I also you know I, I enjoyed I certainly enjoyed teaching the little bits of English favourite um, I mean it's probably a different interview a different subject because history is such a, a shall we say history is such a colourful mm. subject at, at yeah. the moment what, what are your favourite sort of parts of history if you, if you could have 100% control of history what parts? What, what history would you be teaching to? We favourite. I mean, I'm, I suppose in some respects I'm a bit of a, 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 a favoured of, and I suppose the most time that I, I spent mm. kind of studying was this, was kind of 20th century history, and I suppose mm-hmm. because that is his, history-wise, that's probably the most immediate. I think that's the yes, the, 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 but certainly the, the the lead up to this, the that kind of interwar period I think is the most kind of interesting and fascinating yeah. but also the period of time immediately after the war that kind of rebuilding of the, the country the, the establishment first sort of 50 years is the build up yeah. obviously such tragic times the build yeah. up to um, the build up to the first world war yeah. build up, and like you said that, that period in between of, of, of calm and peace and yeah. then the people that really suffered twice a lot of people yeah. serving twice in, yeah in absolutely the, yeah and I suppose Kind of going on to coming on to me, right? A lot of the a lot of my, the writing that I did, I suppose, originally was kind of a little bit reflective of that mm. in terms of in terms of kind of writing about past times as uh, instead of it's, present present times. It's good. I think it's good though. History. I've sort of found in my travels and interviewing people and talking to writers, poets, history. For some reason, it seems to connect a lot of the time with. Writers and poets, because like you say, it's such. If you like a certain pe- uh, period of history, yeah, it's such a good focal point to uh, you know to start or get the inspiration. I think you're absolutely right. I think particularly, it's interesting as a writer to kind of place themselves in that particular period. And, and mm. I suppose one thing that I really like doing, if I'm writing about a subject that I feel I'll know a little bit about, but I'm not necessarily confident to, is to do that little bit of research and to, to kind of look into that particular period of time and to also read about other writers that have, have written about yes. that time and to kind of trace that back a little And bit. pluck something out. Like, your mind, your brain might think, you know, just pluck something out mm. that people might not know. Like it's in Wakefield, you might find an interesting character from a certain period and sort of write about them. What about any any certain past history that you can be honest you don't <laughs> like, or, or anything that's so, anything that's been done so often? You think you might think to yourself, "Oh goodness, another history teacher teaching so and so." Any any sort of. I'm not sure. That, I'm not sure that there, 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 there is. I, I think. No. I think I am, as somebody who. Uh, I mean, I was. I was kind of history. I mean, a history teacher, I suppose, for a long, quite a long time. But I also, obviously, for a period of time, I also 
history advisor in Leeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went and worked with other history teachers in other schools about just about kind of te- kind of teaching history. And one thing that I suppose, I mean, I'm absolutely fascinated by that period of in, period in Germany um, post-war, mm-hmm. um, kind of Weimar Republic, and also obviously the the kind of the, the period of time that was under Nazi rule. But I do feel that there is a bit of... I mean, I used to describe it as the Nazification of British history teaching in the respect yes. that, that, you know, it's really, really important that the kids understand that, but uh, that particular period of time in terms of how, how it shaped their own heritage. But it, I think sometimes it, it is kind of... There, there is a, an almost an overemphasis sometimes on, on, on that, that, that kind of period of time in terms of, in terms of the actual curriculum and, 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 and whatever. So although I, I love studying that period of time and I really enjoy kind of teaching it, I think sometimes there just needs to be more of a, a little bit more of a balance in the curriculum. I think, to be honest, and again, the two words are the, the sort of your own personal re- research and discovery or, or, or delving into the historical past, probably fair to say is completely different, as you said, to the, the curriculum. And I think as as you are, you know, if you are an historian and loving history, it, to actually deliver it in a classroom and any curriculum is sometimes what... I want to use the word watered down, not in a bad way, mm. but you've got to do maybe A, B and C or one, two, three, four. And it's probably fair to say that you're better off having your own... If you're really interested in history, yeah. you get a lot more out of it. I mean, I think I think a lot of kind of teachers, and I mean, I, I suppose in my teaching career, I, I didn't really know anything else but a national curriculum. Mm-hmm. But I did fi- I, I did have enough perspective to realise that actually sometimes it was it was overly prescriptive in terms mm. of it, in terms of what it what it told you to teach really rather than and it's sometimes quite controlling to, to and sometimes the, in the, the way the, to the, teach yeah. it as well yeah just wait oh, what about sport favourite sports are you, are you a, am I looking at a, a, a semi-professional footballer <laughs> a little bit of rugby is it no. are you a little bit of a backhand or cross-court volley no I'm favourite 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 sports Tim uh, I, I would say old, I mean obviously I think uh, snooker <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I am a. I mean, I think I am a bit of a, a sports fanatic. My favourite, my favourite sport, certainly to watch, although was um, is rugby league. Uh, I'm going to say rugby league. Uh, yes, this neck of the woods. Although I, I you know, I, I, I do follow football kind of almost religiously, but um, unfortunately, my 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 football team hasn't in all the t- years I've supported them hasn't only hit Who? the high. He's Bradford City, so. Oh, Bradford City, yeah. yeah. You never know in this neck of the woods. You could have gone for a few. Well, exactly. I mean, I think Wakefield is famous for, for being the, the kind of biggest conurbation, the biggest city that doesn't have a professional football club. So, but it's really steeped in, in as you said, the rugby, the rugby league. We are, and as you can see, we can we can actually see the part of the rugby league ground from where we sat. Oh, do you know? I tell you what, now you the podcast listeners, I'm not only in Wakefield, I'm by the the historical uh, historical ground. Slightly going back, we're back a little bit further. Should I say what what's Tim or what was Tim like? Sort of school. Obviously, everyone's been to school, and you, you've talked about history. You've talked about yeah. loving football and rugby league. Were you a good student? What about reading and poetry? Let's bring a little bit. Were you interested in writing and poetry as a teenager or, or a youngster? I, I have to say, I wasn't particularly up until the age of about fourteen, and I had a. 
I had a fantastic teacher who um, m- many poetry lovers in, in, in Wakefield. He's still in Wakefield. No, no, I mean, I'm, I'm in a place called Boston Spa. Where I'm yes, I know. Nice. Yeah. She. Yes. At school at Boston Spa, yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, I had a fantastic uh, teacher called John Foggin, who unfortunately has passed away mm-hmm. quite recently. And John is is pretty well known amongst the kind of poetry community. And I'm going to say when you, now when you said that name. I thought, yeah, yeah. yes. So John, I mean, yes. John was my form tutor and uh, he was also my English teacher for a while and he really kind of kicked, kicked me up the backside in terms of in terms of writing and, and, and really kind of introduced me to poetry, although I didn't write particularly too much poetry at that, at that time. But, yeah, he really kind of opened my eyes and, and kind of made me... I kind of just bumbled along up until that that point. And, uh, That's a good word, that. Bumbled along. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't necessarily probably try as hard as I, I, I could have done, but, you know, I like yes. to, to just... Uh, um, but you did, you did well enough to get to um, yeah. to get to uh, yeah. teachers. I presume you went sixth form university. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, so I did sixth form at the school and then then went off to, to kind of university. Which you needed you? Uh, I went to Newcastle. I went oh, to Northumberland. Well, it wasn't a university at that point. It was it was uh, it was Newcastle Polytechnic at the time. Goodness, polytechnics. Yeah. So, did you actually study then? History. I, I, I studied history and history and politics and government at that, Brilliant. At that time. And then did you go? Did you go straight in? Did you jump off the sort of high board straight into teaching from uni? <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I kind of um, I left, and uh, I kind of not really sure exactly what I wanted to do. Yes. So I ended up working for a, uh, for for British Telecom for for wow. about four years, and and kind of learned really about a little. Probably learned more in those four years about about life, and certainly about working life than, than I did. And uh, but by the end of that. About four years, I'd kind of, uh, I got a bit kind of restless, and I thought about what what I really wanted to. to well, it wanted a little bit sort of more, really. So, so it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a toss up, really. I was in between go, joining the police or going into teaching, and wow, um, now there's two choices. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up, uh, I ended up teaching. I went to York York University, did my teacher training, and as I say, my first teaching job yes. the reason why I w- moved to Wakefield originally is that because of the teaching is, role. I, is I, I worked at a school just down the road called Kettlethorpe High School mm-hmm. and that was my first first teaching job and I'd worked there for about four and a half years before moving on and, to a school and event. just and just, I don't know but what about reading then were you uh, it's always an interesting question I find because there's writers poets the, the obvious answer of what people expect is yes I used to read loads but did you read quite a bit as a, as a child, or just sort of average reader? I think I was. A, I think or? I was a, a, a fairly, a fairly kind of average reader. I think I didn't read. Um, in vast amounts. No, in, in, in kind of vast amount. I read lots of comics. <laughs> what, DC, Marvel, sort of comics. I read, yeah, I got into that kind of late, later on. It was it was your traditional kind of like boys comics, like Tiger and Victor. I think uh, uh, when I, when I was and a, just, and just like as a younger kid, just liking the sort of characters yeah, and the short I think, sort of dialogue. Yeah, and, I mean, I think it, again, I was a, I'm a bit of a kind of a visual learner. I like pictures. <laughs> but that's good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And any so, any any fond memories? Any particular characters still in your your memory, Tim, of cartoon characters in there? My, my favourite. Well, I suppose my favourite. I think he was in the Victor was, was Alf Tupper, the tough of the track, which was about the kind of. I'm uh, glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was basically he was he was a kind of northern. Uh, 
runner who basically run, but he, he trained on like fish and chips. So that, that's oh, my that's proper, my that's my kind of sportsman. To proper me, a proper sort of northern uh, a proper northern. Any any other sort of novels or any any authors that you, you sort of uh, took a liking well, to can, in, uh, in or yeah, did that come a little bit later? I mean, I really really like. Um, People, writers, American writers, so mm-hmm. people like John Steinbeck. Mm-hmm. I re- remember reading uh, kind of uh, re- people like Rev- Rev- Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you did you read that one at school then, or that? No, I think that. Yeah, I think I was still at school when I, I yeah. think I must have been in But I mean, obviously, like most teenage boys, I, I, you know, I read, distractions. I read, yeah, read <laughs> J. D. Salinger and you know, Catching the Rats yes, and yes. Th- things like that. Um, and also, you know, I, I did read uh, kind of. You know Wuthering Heights and things like that, and uh, you know I read quite a bit of D. H. Lawrence as well, although not Lady Chatterley until much later. Um, but and I like I got kind of, but I suppose in some respects then I kind of really got into reading kind of Stephen King, and uh, I, I, I maintain that Good Stephen little King bit of favorite Stephen King novel. Tough uh, question. Well, it's it's or favorites. I give me favorites. Well, it's it's kind of interesting really because I, I kind of I like and, and there's some that I like and some that that, that, are, that I'm not so keen on. Uh, I suppose in some respects, I mean, I like I like kind of older ones. I like um, Sam's not I like Carrie. I mm-hmm. like um, oh, I, I like it. Um, you know, I, it's which ones which ones don't you particularly favour? Well, I'm one thing I've kind of noticed and, I, and I've I've, I've had to stand up for him in some respects in certain circles is I don't think he's a great writer for 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 women and, the, and sometimes I think women don't necessarily always come off best mm. Mm. in Stephen I mean very occasionally he will write something and that will it will it will kind of surprise me but I think I mean generally speaking I think that I just find his style of writing very, very kind of endearing and very, very interesting. But mm-hmm. I, I don't always. He's had quite a little bit of success. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. What, what do you think about the? Um, I mean, I think Stephen King's interesting. You know, Carrie. I think mm-hmm. Carrie's a real. But probably some people might argue the case. You the, the first two or three novels, just like two or three, first two or three albums or films, yeah. are sometimes some of your best work. Yeah. You, know, you talk about rock bands or any sort of music, yeah. and they go, "Oh yeah, the first album, brilliant." Second, yeah. first book, you talk about it. Talk mm. about Carrie, a lot of the early stuff, yeah. a lot of the real sort of classic Stephen mm. King. And I have to agree. How do you think? Are you a, a film buff? How do you think the, a lot of people say a little bit marmite here, where some of the films brilliant and have been adapted some of them a lot of people say or some people say the film some of the Stephen King films don't always transcend no, to films have... as well but I think Carrie yeah, is a really fantastic yeah. book and I've seen the old version, the original, should I say, and the remake. Two brilliant films. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I love. I mean, I, I love most of the films that he's made. I mean, mm. and I love The Shining, but he absolutely hates the film The Shining. You see, I love that film. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I I agree with him that it doesn't necessarily transcend in the same way as as the book. But but it's got Jack Nicholson in it. Yeah, absolutely. Good old Jack. Yeah, and which is. It's an absolute stellar performance. Super, uh, super performance. Yeah. I don't think anyone else could have. No. I can't imagine of the time anyone else. No one comes to mind. No. Who, and especially the, the classic scene here's Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's. Um, 
an iconic, an iconic film. Yeah, it, it is. Book a, it, as well. it certainly is, and I, I mean, I must must have watched it half a dozen times. And, and I, you watch it again? That's the thing. You don't and you know, turn I would, them off. I would, I would, and I always find something else in it, and something mm. even even like a small thing that perhaps I didn't notice mm-hmm. notice before. But as I can probably say that about the the books. I read the books several times as well, and and again, every time I, I, I come back to it. Um, I mean, I'll just say, this is one very positive thing, perhaps, <laughs> about having a stroke. That I, I, I kind of uh, I, I watch television, television programs that I've watched before pre-stroke, um, and afterwards, and I've just think, oh, that was good. Have I, have I watched that before? <laughs> I mean, but because I can't, because because you know, you just lose it, lose yes. a memory yes. and, an under, and an understanding of them. Certainly in the detail that you, you did before, but mm-hmm. anyway, that's probably not uh, not a good reason to have a stroke. Well, so moving on to the the poetry. Yeah, obviously. The, the common ground for both you and I is poetry and the open mic. So when when did you actually obviously when did you actually start writing when you took it a little bit more sort of serious? So when did the writing writing of poetry and when you when did you sort of stand up and say, I tell you what, I'm going to an open mic. Okay. Um, well I suppose I mean, it must have been kind of two or three years after I got out of hospital I did I mean mm-hmm. I was just kind of struggling with this whole thing about retirement and how to kind of fill the hours and, and do you think that's because of being young early retirement is that is that probably what sort of hit you the most you know what I'm saying as in as in I'm only I think you said I'm only I'm only 51 and I'm retired is that the yeah I, I think that yeah I mean I'm so I've been retired now about five years and mm. I, th- I think that, that basically first of all I really, really struggle because I suppose I mean I'm not. I mean I used to put in the hours, you know. I used to have on average about seventy-two hours a week working, mm. and then you suddenly go from that to nothing. And you know, a lot. I mean, my, my brother is just retired, and and he's 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 just retired uh, quite recently, and then immediately got another job because we, we we had a long we had lots of chats about it, and I said it what I found most difficult. Certainly, when I started feeling physically a lot better, was the fact is, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You know, in some respects, that's what you know. Work programs you to get up at I don't know, six o'clock in the morning and go off, and then come back at six o'clock at night. So is that? Some people say that. I mean, obviously, people I know, the retired um, family members and work colleagues. Is that a part of sort of? Being being part of something, it, I suppose, really to sound a little bit military, is a little bit of discipline and routine. Possibly is good, but probably more to the point. Being part of something, yeah. Actually, you know, working, tea, coffee, chats. Did you yeah. watch the football? Yeah. Have you read this book? I think for me, it would be obviously I'm not retired, but being part of something. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. And as well for me personally, I can't speak for anybody else. It's about a lot of it is to do with the crack, the the kind of yeah. the interaction, yes. the, the the kind of social interaction that you, that you have. Uh, and I think that's that's why a lot of kind of people. Pre, uh, during and, and post lockdown, people who've now started to work at home, yeah, working at home has huge, huge benefits. It's a lot of negative side, but, but the, also it's about the, the you know if you, you 
much as much as Zoom it was right for that t- that particular time. I, I mean, I, I I really struggled on Zoom now because I've kind of got back into kind of social interaction with people. I look, I prefer to be sat in a room with people than necessarily. We're social. I think Tim, we're social animals. We're social. Human beings are social. And obviously, just a few nights I was just sat here having a chat. I I must admit during this sort of pandemic I was still mm. working for the radio and I did a lot of telephone conversations or had a lot of call, um, mm. telephone conversations yeah brilliant a little bit of music mm. talking not the same no. ask people to record things send it in across yeah. the table yeah, I just, you know you're looking at someone it's been more physical you're there yeah. it, it's just far better yeah and I, and I know we're probably jumping ahead a little bit I suppose you know the, the whole question about why did I start doing open mics is the fact that I, I I mean people will describe me as being a lockdown poet because I suppose I started writing a lockdown poet you're not a product of the lockdown Tim surely well I am a little bit of a product of the lockdown in mm. respect that my my initial kind of writing is I actually went to Swarthmore College in Leeds and just yes. signed up to do a, a creative writing course with the, with the fabulous Jill Lambert at the time, but the fabulous Jill Connors. Mm. Connors. I knew that uh, when, when he said the Swarthmore, I knew that I was going to connect to, uh, to Jill, yes. And, and basically, Jill really, I mean, I owe a hell of a lot to Jill and Mark, uh, mm-hmm. and Jill particularly kind of took, at that time took me under her wing, kind of really encouraged me to, to kind of write, and particularly encouraged me to write poetry. And... Basically, the the kind of my the course at, at Swarthmore came to an end fairly abruptly because we had to lock down. But bless right. Jill, what's you? You started in September then, possibly. In, well, no, in I, 20, well, I, I started in 2019. I actually started in in January right. 2020. Um, so about th- so about three months or yeah. then. Yeah, so so, so I did I did I, I wrote with with Jill and others up at Swarthmore, mm-hmm. and then basically uh, it. Um, we went through lockdown and then Jill started off with uh, a Zoom every Tuesday afternoon and, and there was about five or six of us and we, we wrote and, we, and I just wrote with that group for about two years kind of locked down any others in the group yeah yeah. who else do you remember well Ka- Kathleen Strafford joined pretty Ka- much oh good old, good old Kathleen I love uh, Kathleen yeah, Strafford um, what a legend yeah and and um, uh, Peter Kay, who you might know. Yeah, she yeah. comes. I know Peter. He's yeah. uh, yeah, he comes to the open yes. mic on a regular um, basis. So, so egg is Peter. He's a fantastic bloke, and uh, yeah, we, uh, as I say, and a, and a few others, we we kind of. Uh, and we, we have to have to say it's our Peter Kay, not the Peter. Yes, Kay. He, he mean that, yeah. <laughs> I always say, he, he knows every time he comes no, no. to the open mic. I, I've got this habit of saying, "Let's have a thunderous round of applause for." Not that Peter K, but our Peter K. I yeah. can't help saying yeah, that. that, that, that he has a, Peter has a fantastic. Our Peter K has a fantastic yeah. sense of humour, but they're really not the same. No, it's um, it is brilliant. In fact, he came to the the Halloween yeah. one in full costume. Yes, as well. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, I saw him. The I think I saw him the yeah. day afterwards because he came to Runcible Spoon. I was going to say this. And Kathleen, Kathleen yeah. Strafford is yeah. absolutely yeah. amazing. Amazing. So those poetry's coming together. Yeah. And you're zooming. Yeah, so I used to do, um, I mean, uh, 
Mark and Jill uh, ran a, a, a mm-hmm. kind of Zoom every month mm-hmm. uh, open mic called Word Club, and I went as I say I, I joined that, and that was my probably my first reading, not necessarily to uh, to, to a live audience, but obviously they were live, a visual, a visual audience. audience. A little yeah. bit nervous for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I mean, I do uh, I obviously I do a lot of reading at the moment. I read on average, you know, two or three times a week at different places. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I still I'm still absolutely lots of imposter syndrome and. <laughs> Lots of, lots of nervousness. It, that's interesting because this is the question. So open mic is the end product. And what I find is a lot of time, spent a lot of time and hours behind the microphone. Yeah. So you, like I say to people, you're talking behind the microphone, playing songs or interviewing and all that sort of thing. And then you sort of do, well, you know, a little bit of pantomime and stuff like that, which is a different audience. And then... It's sort of my journey with the old mic. People say, "Oh, it'd be brilliant." But you still get the sort of nerves, a little bit of adrenaline. And coming from a, a teaching perspective, I'm working in colleges. You, you, you were previously working in, in the schools. Other people who don't know would automatically think, "Oh, Tim will be all right," because he's gone in a classroom with God knows how many te- how many um, pupils and or students, whatever you want to call them, and he's sorting this out and that. And very challenging as, as, as we know in in, in education. But just clear the matter up, Tim. It's a completely... It's your work, it's your poem, it's a completely... Regardless of what you do in life, open mic is completely different. Would you oh, agree? yeah, and undoubtedly it is. I don't know why. No, well, I, I, I'm not quite sure why either. Um, I suppose in some respects... I suppose when teaching, yes, it is your own words, and but you, you're putting something together in, in, in a kind of package mm. to deliver, but... I, you know, I, I'm, I was, I'm, and I'm not overly precious about about my poems. You know, some people will like them, some people won't like them, which is, you know, it's that's life. It's always open to interpretation. But the, but I, it is a kind of different experience, and I suppose in some respects, because the, in the vast majority of cases, the audience <coughs> is always adults, and I find, and I almost found certainly in t- when I was doing my, my teacher training, uh, actually teaching. Um, young people how well how to teach but giving them some guidance about that I always found it much more difficult much easier I suppose talking to, to kind of young people rather than adults I suppose but it's just it's just I just find it so hard hard to to describe as, as if you were now if you were obviously as you said if you, if you were with a group of people adult teenagers whatever mm. history walking morning sun all that malarkey you're in full control yeah. or it's just and I think it's because it's, for me, because it's a performance. Yeah. You know, can you remember the lines? You're also aware that there's the poets or the performers in there. And yeah. I think there's a bit of competition there as well. It, it's just that little bit of what will... If you're teaching, as you said, you're teaching on the mm. curriculum, mm. but that is your work. And I think deep down you might, people might think... Oh, that, what, what were you doing? What were you saying? But you really want people to give a, a thunderous round of applause. <laughs> well, I suppose when I first began, it was doing open mic. It was just about yes. I've got these words. I just need to get them out. Yeah. And I, I certainly suppose over having read the same poems a number of different times, and that I've added a, I would detect a slight greater element of performance there. It come, and that's when you sort of did you find yourself that um, possibly so you, you stand up so you read it you mm. might stand off sort of reading your work mm. and then you get a bit more 
there'll be more confidence. Yeah. Like, you know what? I'm going to throw in, I'm going to do a little bit of swagger. I'm going to move to left. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pause on this one. And it just become, yeah. A, it, yeah. and you go home and you think, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, you, and yeah. it, your confidence grows. Well, I, I think, I think, I think you, you, you kind of need to do it. You need to, sometimes I feel like you need to, particularly if it's something that, it's a difficult subject that you've mm. written about. Then you really need to, to kind of, or something that you're particularly proud of writing. I think you, you know you need to give it a bit more of a kind of performance <clears throat> element. I, th- I think it does. So how did you get involved with? Um, let's talk a little bit now about the, the. I love this title, Gobby in the Lobby. First and foremost, what I've only been to one. I've heard a lot about it. A fantastic venue. Absolute fantastic. I mean, I, I mean, the, the original. I got involved with with getting Gobby uh, through, Ian, through, um, through Ian Whiteley. Yes, uh, and Ian, you know, he's an absolute f- fantastic poet, a lovely, lovely bloke. And but I, I know that he. I mean, although he's a Wakefield lad, I know that he was travelling from Wigan every month. To, and I think he's living in Wigan now. He does. He does live in Wigan. Yeah, and uh, and uh, he does a lot over obviously that side. Uh, and I know it, it kind of got to probably about this time last year, and and he, he, I think he's just said, look, I'm 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 struggling to kind of come across and do it. Would anybody be interested in taking it on? So you've been you've been going as a as a yeah. I've just been, I was just you know I was just a kind of regular regular punter. Uh, yes, and uh, you know I enjoyed it. I, I you know I met a lot of kind of poets. It certainly helped me kind of I, I suppose grow, if for want of a better word, as a as a as a kind of open mic reader. As did obviously Kathleen and uh, kind of Runcible Spoon. They were kind of regular dates uh, for for me mm-hmm. to, to to attend. So. I had a chat with uh, uh, a friend, uh, a woman called Lisa Falshaw, who had been attending. I've met, I've yeah. met Lisa, yeah. yes. And I said, look, I'm, I'm quite interested in taking it on, but I'm, I'm just going to give it a bit of a trial. We'll do it bi-monthly. And she said, well, and I said, would you be interested in co-hosting it with me? And she agreed. So we started to, we, we, we started to put it on. And like... Um, with 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 kind of most things, you, you kind of play safe right at the very beginning. And I'm you know I'm really very grateful to kind of Layla Baker because you're at, for for allowing us to have a, a night at, at that. Barbie. It's a phenomenal. Yeah. Can I just ask, was it a sh- what what's the history behind that building? Well, is, was it a shop at one point? Or I'm, I am not entirely. I'm not entirely curved sort of all shoe type. It's just a brilliant. Yeah, venue. I, I mean it's, it's it's effectively it's part of Unity Hall in Wakefield, mm. which. And I think Unity Hall has hosted lots and lots of kind of arts and drama and poetry over, over the years. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure in terms of ha- what used to be there and wh- whether it was a... Whether it, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. It does look like a, a kind of shop front, which is quite nice. It reminds me of, of sort of... I, you know what I said? I'm being served, <laughs> that lovely... I imagine it, to that lovely sort of curve. Yeah. I mean, people will yeah. know, but then some fantastic sort of suits and shirts yeah. and, you know, going back to in history, you know, 1920s, 30s, whatever, and saying, oh, it suits you, sir, from, you know, yeah. and just all these wonderful people yeah, take I, I not Yeah, I, I mean, I... And that, you, you, you prompted something. I must go and do some research and find just, out. It just for, yeah. I mean, no people know it's a bar, yeah. and, and, and it, it, but just the sort of architecture yeah. of and right on the corner. It's yeah. on the main street, it's on yeah, it's on Westgate. On Westgate, yeah. and it's just right on the corner yeah. of. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I. I mean, I know that, that Layla is is particularly keen on, on getting... I mean, mm. I know that, that she's had bands playing there, uh, I know there was bands playing there during Long Division, and she she's very, very um, 
prominent in supporting obviously us as a as, as a project in terms of kind of taking it taking it forward so we, we we've kind of we decided because um it was getting increasingly popular for actually to, to kind of do it over two months um the, i suppose the driving force for me more than anything else is that uh, I, I'm not from Wakefield, but I'm, I am very kind of passionate about the city and in mm-hmm. terms of promoting the city to anybody from 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 outside. And that's not always been the case. I have to admit, and when people oh, used to don't ask, go down here now, <laughs> when people used to ask me where I was from, I said, "Oh, I'm from Leeds," but uh, rather than rather than Wakefield. But I, I would proudly say now that I am I am from Wakefield because I think it's got. It's got some way to go, but it's it's, it's certainly travelling in the right direction. And the big thing for me is because they used to be very kind of popular open and uh, open mic, and before I, I kind of got interested, called the uh, Red Shed. And the Red Shed still exists, and it's still. Now I've heard of the Red yeah, Shed. Yeah. Yes. And and two of the the, the people uh, who were involved in uh, in running it, Jimmy Andrex and John Clark, who I, I've I've got to know. I don't think I've met those no, two. I've got to know over the last uh, couple mm. of years. Um, are obviously not running it, and they used to get some really great poets, big names, and I thought, mm. well, Wakefield hasn't really got that anymore, so we need to do it because I can say to you honestly. If I wanted to, I could read potentially, you know, most nights of the week in Leeds, North Leeds, because there's so much going on. It's true. This, the, what we were saying about, I think open mic has gone absolutely yeah. um, so crazy. I mean, yeah. I, it, you, you could 100% there, Tim, you could go Monday to Friday, yeah. but the trouble is, well, not the trouble, the thing is, can, you've got to get to all of them and yeah, travel in. Yeah. You need a little bit of time to yourself. Yeah. You, you've got to really decide. Absolutely. Where you want to go, or, or mix them up a little yeah. bit. There's yeah. poetry going on, or open mic, even on Saturday night as yeah. well. Well, Kathleen Strafford runs hers as yeah. well. It was on a Sunday, yeah. it's on a Tuesday. It's on a Tuesday night. But yeah. seven days a week. Yeah. Crazy. It, it is, and, I, and you know, I, I've got no empirical evidence to say this either way, but my, my, my gut reaction is that, like myself, a lot of people had lots of times on their hands at, on during lockdown, mm. and uh, one of the things they turned to, they turned to lots of kind of different arts and crafts, but uh, there were a lot of writers, and I think a lot of writers were bored out of the experience of, of the pandemic and, lo- and lockdown. A lot of good and a lot of bad yeah, came absolutely. out. I must admit, yeah. my reflections are that I, I have to say that I did fair. I mean, personally, I don't, I don't want to sound. You don't upset anybody by saying this. I think personally, I think the lockdown for me it worked well in the sense that um, it just seemed to work for me, as in work and sort of developing things. Yeah. And I sort of came out of the other side. Mm. Okay, but then I, the only thing I didn't get fed up of was the Zoom. I, I, as we said before we started recording, I because my work involved a lot of sort of Zoom and, and uh, Teams, which yeah. I said. Um, you and yourself, you said about Jill and Mark were in the uh, online, mm. and a lot of friends of mine at the time would continue theirs online, and I think I joined one or two. I think I did one of mine actually. I think I did one, maybe two online, and I can remember doing them. I did, I did at least one, and I thought. I don't like this no. because I just had so much of it on a daily basis and I remember looking at the screen yeah. all the different points when you could laugh don't, yeah. don't get me around and start no yeah. and I, that's the one thing that I did not like is on the online I suppose thing. for me I had no experience mm. of anything else but as soon mm. as I've started doing the live just open mic I, would, I, I, would, yeah. I wouldn't there was no I'd be very the, reluctant to go back 
The only the only other one Tim I've done, I won't recommend it. The only other one I've done since you've all come out of it was in America. I've got some good friends across the pond, shall we say. Mm. Um, and they said, Oh David, would you share some of your work? Mm. And I think girl from Yorkshire saying Real do, so it's five o'clock. <laughs> and then she goes, "No, it's east, it's it's uh, it's east coast time." And, and I think I remember my good lady Rose went to bed, and I had one of the cats on the side of bed, got everything ready, and I, I would have paid gig, so I'm going to turn yeah. it down. Um, I'm a bit like that, but it makes the world go round. And um, I did about half an hour, twenty minutes, half an hour. Fantastic, but at about 11 o'clock UK time, I think we finished about sort of maybe half past midnight, you know, quarter to one, and, and they're all sort of really sprang, hey, the coffee, and I'm like, wide eyes, three cups of coffee. And so I did enjoy that little bit, and I did have to do a little bit of explanation to what I found myself is. We're talking now, I found myself talking a little bit slower. And having, to, and, and having to give a little bit more explanation to some of the sort of northern boys, you know, but don't, don't do it. Right, moving swiftly on, I believe you've got, I called it an anthology, but I believe, Tim, you've, you, you've, you've undersold yourself here because you've referred to it as a pamphlet. It's coming out this year, I think, December. Yeah, 15th of December. Recently, you're going to share some of your work shortly. Tell us a little bit about this collection, pamphlet. What's, what's it going to be about? Well, I suppose... Um, I mean, it's it can, kind of contains some of my I mean, early writing. I've not been mm-hmm. writing for that long, but it, I mean, the first kind of part is poems that I wrote really about my experience of um, of kind of having a stroke, post stroke, and being in hospital, mm-hmm. uh, and the kind of characters that I met while I was in hospital. And then there's a bit there about kind of recovery after being out of hospital, but there's also some kind of poems about just kind of reflection, really, uh, about, you know, we talked before about mm-hmm. um, writing about um, historical elements and, and, you know, how that, that kind of fits in. And there's just some general reflections on life as well. 30 poems in there so so it's probably fair to say Tim that, that although it's been quite a, a sort of a, a, a bad time in your life the good coming out of it is like you've had a really good time if you don't mind me saying a, 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 really, a, a period of time to sort of reflect and sort of bring things together and hopefully forward yeah absolutely um, you know I think you know, you try and try not necessarily focus on the negatives in your life. You try and look at mm-hmm. the, the kind of positives. And I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very, very lucky in terms of the, the way I, I've kind of, I've kind of, I suppose, come out of the other side. Yeah, absolutely. For what? Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose so. And you know, I'm, I've kind of really kind of looking forward to. I found something, and I found a group of people, a community that I, I really kind of identify with. Um, you know, I'm. I'm very very lucky you know I've got really settled home life a lovely wife lovely kids and you know I I just want to obviously um try and you know the rest of my life trying to trying to first of all pay it forward a little bit I suppose um you know that's that's why I try and uh, do as much work for uh, St Catharines and the the, food stores I can well like I said phenomenal Work out yeah. here, working hard. Yeah. I sat at a coffee, lazy game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, obviously, to, to kind of you know just enjoy the the, the kind of and try and build a bit more of a community uh, uh, of poets south of Leeds. And I suppose ultimately, if you would like to know what I'd like to do, is obviously continue developing and growing, getting Gobby as as a spoken word night. But also, obviously 
try and get encourage other rights. I mean, one of the things that we, we established in when we when we re or re-established getting gobby was that what mm-hmm. we wanted to do is give um, the the opportunity for people to to see perhaps poets that they wouldn't necessarily see otherwise. So to, you know, obviously at the moment I've, I've tried to I'm trying to get some money off Wakefield Council to try and promote it to promote the event a little bit more but also to attract be able to pay some bit more travelling expenses than I can simply as a pair as, if, as you feel so you know we're, we're getting um, we're getting hopefully next year some poets outside of the kind of Yorkshire area um, with a you know who, who are more established in, to do that but also mm-hmm. alongside them to get people who are new to writing to be able to kind of showcase their work mm-hmm. as well um, I mean, also, I suppose, ultimately, although I have no idea about how I'd go about it, is to, to, to try and perhaps have the opportunity to publish some of those poems as well. Poets. Yeah, it all, it all yeah. sounds like wonderful work. What is it Now, what is the title? I'm going to get a, a, a Travelling Bookshelf exclusive. Right. What is the title of this so, wonderful collection of so poetry? So the title, the title of the, the pamphlet stroke anthology stroke <laughs> is, uh, is Keep Taking Six Away From 100. And that title came about, it's actually a title of, of one of the poems in the book, is when I was in hospital, and obviously people who have kind of brain injuries like mm. like what I have got, is um, how they kind of monitor your progress in the early days in hospital is they will ask you a series of questions and give you a series of tasks, and they will monitor that over the course of the week, how you perform. And one of the questions that they asked me, which was uh, which was pretty tough anyway, even even when my brain was okay, is because I'm completely enumerate, is is to take, keep taking six away from one hundred, and obviously they measure your progress in terms of how you're able to do that. Right, so I thought, I mean, that's a fantastic title. And it just resonates really with everything, but it sums up or really connects with what. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I, I absolutely love the title, and but I can't claim for it. It's actually uh, Jill Connors who, who came up with that. Right, title. well, <laughs> well done, Jill. Well done, Jill. But it really is sort of a, in, in a lot of ways, it's it, it's an unusual title. Yeah. But it's one hundred percent. It belongs to you, Tim. You know, it's just that. What, but people will say, you know. What's this, what does that mean? What's it about? And then such a wonderful story just behind the title alone, you know, because then you've got your journey of... Um, and that's December. December the... December the 15th. December the 15th. Are you having a launch? Yeah, the anyway. launch is at the the Chemic pub in... in Leeds. In Leeds, yeah. Yes. Uh, 7.30, December the 15th. What day is the 15th? It's is that? a Friday night. Is it a Friday? Friday December the 15th on the yeah. Friday. So obviously... <coughs> Many friends going along there. Well, hopefully, you'll be reading. You'll be reading from there. Then. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. All yeah. right, so I might, I might pull out my cap. Promise. Yeah. But I'll try. I'll try my best I, to uh, to get there. Yeah, um, think, Tim. yeah there'll be an, um, a more local, a, a kind of quieter one in uh, in January, January the twenty first. So Wakefield base. Well, it's actually yeah. in Morley. It's in a. All right. It's in a, a pub called the. Uh, a, well, pub a bar called the Resident in Morley. Right, well, let us know if I can if I can help to promote. I will do and share. So we're gonna well, we're not gonna conclude, but we are gonna share some of your work, and you've got them ready, Tim. So well, if you I'm to, not quite I'm not quite sure if they're ready, but with you, I mean, it's up to you. What I normally say to people is, you can read them, or you can tell us a little bit about okay. it. You know, the story behind it. However, you want to do it, just please in your own time. The okay. microphone's yours. Thank you. Um, this first poem is. Um, is about 
and my experience and all. It's actually the first poem in the, in the anthology, rather than in the anthology straw pamphlets. I told you, stand <laughs> over the anthology. You've, you've sold that seed in my head. That's the one. Okay, this is called Toast and Marmalade. Woken by nurse's busy buzz, grey recall of where I am. Obs and one-way cheery chats, washed top to toe, sponge and smiles. She lightly brushes my balls, I'm still alive. Sweet sting of mint on my teeth, my tongue. Now breakfast time today, unlike me, something solid. But no breakfast of champions. How about some porridge? Toast. I want to say toast. I say toes. No toes today, Tim, but we have some toast. Marmalade. Thank you. I love that one. And like I said, that just that sums up 100% everything of your experience. Okay. This next one is a uh, is another hospital type poem. Uh, it's about uh, one of the um, one of the people that I met when I was there. It's called the sharpest scratch. Constant in our diurnal tableau, Azra arrives with smiles and needles. Hi, boys! I've come for your blood. Where the doctors struggle, she is quick and almost painless. Yet we still fear her. You escaped me yesterday, hiding with the physios. She's caught me. She rolls my sleeve. Tourniquet tightens, softly presses skin, locates the deep lying. At first I thought she was Turkish. No, Bosnian, Shebranitsa. Just relax. Your arm... Sharp scratch. She smiles, applies cotton wool. Your blood is beautiful. Colin, your turn. We all watch her, in love with her calm kindness, her playful taunts. I swap Bosnia for Bermontovs. The men are all buried now in green potakari. I see her sadness. She wants to be working with Tata and her brothers, serving the Sevapi, Burek, singing rise my daughter Serafa, watching the sunset in the valley. Thank you. Brilliant stuff. All right. Any more? Any more for any? Give, give, let's have a, I tell you, let, let's have a couple more. Oh. Don't do too much because otherwise I won't be turning <laughs> up, will it? Because I say, well, I've got, I can just download the podcast, David's podcast. I don't have to buy the book. Right, OK, I'll do one more hospital time. Do an, and then we'll do an hospital one, yeah. and one um, no, whichever okay. one you want to finish with, no, Tim. Okay. That would be brilliant. OK, this is called 3.17am Corridor Drift. Pondering in pyjamas... The inmates shift and sleep stutter. I, no longer bed-bound and wire-wound, brain-stopped and stalled, rise and wander, cutting through the mist of benzodiazepine. Along dull corridors, twisted and spun in cold fluorescent. 
drag one hand across pink and coffee brown. My fingers like a pointed stem that craves sunlight and new life. It bumps, jars against NHS missives. A tired, sleep-starved angel calls me. Are you okay? Are you lost? I'm not sure. You shouldn't really be down here. It's very late. Let's get you back to bed. Thank you. Right, one more. This one is more. the big one, Tim. This is what we're going to finish. Oh, oh my goodness! This is the big. <laughs> the, this is the encore. No pressure. This is that. This is your best. No. Yeah. No. Think of think of the Rolling Stones now. <laughs> Gone off stage. <laughs> they're cheering for more you come back on for the big finale the big finale the big right. one alright ok the big finale whichever, whichever yeah, one you right. think oh, alright pull my neck <laughs> and don't give too much away no alright fine uh, where are we no not that one uh, it's a difficult decision now, it is it? yeah absolutely <laughs> Well, it's, well, good, good job you just put me on the spot. I know. Right? You see, you see all you podcast download listeners. You can't see Tim's face now. We've still got a nice little <laughs> bit of sunshine outside. And yeah, I'll tell you what, Phil, thumbs, Phil, 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 those, those <laughs> thumbs are absolutely—they are going ten to the dozen. He's like a teenager. He's flicking through many, many poems. Yeah. Thirty plus four poems. All oh, right, okay. And I think we finally found one, Tim. Right. I read you the. I read you the first poem. This is the last poem. Um, this is uh, folded page corners. This is uh, a bit of a warning. This, this, this is a reference to grief. Folded page corners. They tell me time's a great healer. It's three weeks last Tuesday. I don't feel any different. We're still covered in your funeral dust. Me and Breeze cleared a weekend for packing the house where we started. Tea in Brown Betty. Bacon flashes in the grill pan. Kitchen table. We sit in silence. She squeezes my hand and out on the step for a smoke. You know, this is a shit day amongst shit days. She gets downstairs, I get upstairs like a broken whirlwind. She sets about the whimsies and the gonks. Boxes for Marie Curie, a fight, a war on want. Do you want any of this stuff? She yells. I want all of it. I want none of it. I lie on my old bed staring at the same crack I stared at for years. Think about the posters that now have only left their mark. Think about my teenage loves that now have only left their mark. I go into your room, open the wardrobe doors and lean in. Breathe lavender, lily of the valley. I fold familiar clothes sketched in my memories of Sundays, seaside and school touchlines. On the bedside cabinet I see the last book you read. A folded page corner. Hardy's Song of Hope. I read it. 
call for Breeze to come and read it. Think of all the pages of our lives where you folded down the corners. Tomorrow shines soon, shines soon. Thomas Hardy, Song of Hope. Thank you. Absolutely brilliant, Tim. And I have to say, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, to interview you. And I certainly feel like I've got to know you a lot more and a lot better. And I'm sure when people have finished listening to this podcast, they will have done so too. I want to wish you all the best with Thank the launch you. No, on Friday the 15th. So if you're listening to this, please go out before the 15th. Get yourself over to Lee's Woodhouse, the Chemic Tavern. I think it kicks off round about uh, 7, 7 7.30. It will be a fantastic night. Tim, you're welcome back on the podcast anytime. Absolutely. Best luck. Best luck with everything. And listeners, I will be speaking to you on the next.